You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. So may it be so now, we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen, church? Amen. Welcome to church this Family Day weekend. Great to see you all and great to be together again. Just those in overflow right now, I'm assuming, and uh, in Orangeville, a huge welcome to you uh, here. If you're guests with us today, such a great welcome to you as well. Just a couple of quick church um, announcements here. Um, our annual general meeting for members of Hope Bible Church is a week today, so February 25th. It's in the evening, I think it's 6.30, you get that correct, but um, our AGM, so for those who are members again, I just would love, love, love for you to all be there uh, a week from today, Sunday evening, the 25th, and then this Wednesday we have our monthly churchwide prayer meeting, huge deal, huge deal for our church, always been from the beginning, and uh, warmly, warmly, strongly encourage you to make that a priority this Wednesday. Uh, personal prayer starts at 6.30, and then the, the prayer meeting officially starts at 7 p.m. So did I mention that this Wednesday? This Wednesday, 7 p.m., excited for our church-wide prayer meeting. Okay, Bible's open to Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at verses 22 to 24. We are working our way, again, through the Sermon on the Mount. Lord willing, we have two messages left in chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel. Just to make you aware, too, um, what we're doing is... One more message in Matthew chapter 6, and then starting in March, Lord willing, we're going to do a series leading up to Easter. We're going to do a four-week series on Isaiah chapter 53. Very excited about that. been excited about that for about a year and a half now, and can't wait to go through that as we unpack the reality what Christ did for us on the cross, as prophesied 700 years before it even happened. Pretty astounding and pretty amazing. Then we have Easter. Then we have our 20th anniversary celebration service on April 14th. That is going to be uh, exciting and a lot of fun as we celebrate 20 years of God's grace. And then, Lord willing, after that, we go into Matthew chapter 7, and then that'll take us, uh, again, all Lord willing, because whatever he decides he wants to do. That'll take us to the beginning of June, and then we'll see what June holds for us there as well. Okay, a little preview for us, uh, what's coming up. I'm excited about all of that, but today we are in Matthew again, uh, 6, 22, and 24. So it was Valentine's Day this week, so then um, we're going to talk about the heart today. Actually, Valentine's Day has nothing to do with it at all whatsoever. We're going to talk about the heart today because Jesus keeps talking about the heart, and I'm pretty sure Jesus did not have Valentine's Day in mind as he did that. So what Jesus has done for for us. Again, Jesus wants the heart, right? We know that he wants the heart. Why? Because he wants us. If he has our hearts, he has us. So he's not afraid to deal with the issues that most challenge for our hearts because that's what he needs to do in order to get our hearts. So he's powerfully unpacked in recent weeks our hearts in terms of his kingdom. He's powerfully impacted our hearts in terms last week of earthly treasure versus heavenly treasure. And then today he's going to powerfully impact our hearts in terms of money. In terms of money, Jesus is talking about, again, the issue of money and what we actually love. Our passage today includes with the call of conviction. You can look at the end of verse 24. He says this categorically, you cannot serve both God and money. Okay, Might as we try, it can't be done. It's one or the other. It's very important for us to understand as we start today. We cannot serve both God and money. So this is another day of heart surgery. This is another day of opportunity. This is another potential day for humility within our lives, right? This is a big deal. These issues are massive. Why, why are these issues of money and treasure and all that so massive? Again, because the number one aspect of idolatry in our lives and our society is this issue. Money, possession, treasures. Jesus knows that. That's why he spends multiple rounds on it. 
So if we're wise right now, there's not one of us, if we're wise, not one of us today will be like, no, not for me. Every one of us will be like, Lord, would you please speak to my heart and my life on this issue? So I'm just going to genuinely ask us right now to ask the Holy Spirit. We're here, we're sitting down, we're, the word is open, you know, songs of worship and prayer over our hearts, just to say, Lord, I'm here right now. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? I just encourage you right now, if you want to close your eyes, you can do that. Just led in just a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, please teach me today. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Don't worry the person around you right now. You, me. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? God is real. The Holy Spirit is real. He is within you if you're alive in Jesus Christ. And let's ask him, Lord, I want to hear from you today. Holy Spirit, teach me and speak to me personally today. And with expectation, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Okay, Matthew 6, verse 22. So this, of course, follows off verse 21, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And now Jesus says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Fascinating. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. That is also fascinating. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? That's intriguing. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then this famous, powerful phrase to end, you cannot serve God and money. So there's a lot here in three verses. We're going to dive in with point number one, which is this. Number one, when my vision is the kingdom, I am full of light. When my vision is the kingdom, I am full of light. So verse, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So verses 22 and 23 are very interesting verses. They're not without complexity in terms of interpretation. But let's go through them carefully. I think we'll get lots of clarity as we do. Notice first in verse 22, we have the eye, the lamp, and the body. How are they all connected? Jesus seems to be teaching here that the eye is a source of light for our bodies or for our lives. I'll say that again. That the eye is a source of light for our bodies or for our lives. Uh, Don Carson's very helpful here. Okay, listen carefully. He says this. Think of the eye as being a window into an otherwise windowless room. Think of the eye used, like metaphorically speaking here, the eye is a window into an otherwise windowless room. So what we choose, how our eye is used, determines either the light that floods our room, our lives, our bodies, or the lack of light, the darkness, that then floods our lives, our souls, our bodies. So when we think of the eye, the eye is the lamp, potentially turns the light on into our bodies, our lives. What we look at, what we value, what we desire, and that's what's key here. So is it literally what we look at? Well, not technically, but spiritually, metaphorically speaking, but then part of the application is, yes, what we literally look at, but metaphorically, what we vision, the vision of our lives, what we desire, what we value determines either light or darkness 
into our bodies, our souls, the room, so to speak, that we exist in. So it's a big deal. In verse 22, Jesus says, if your eye is healthy, then your whole body, what an expression, will be full of light. What's further helpful here, right? When it says the eye, the Jewish people, they saw the eye as the window into the soul. And in that sense, in our context, when Jesus speaks of the eye is the lamp of the body, the eye is another expression of the heart. Uh, the entirety of our being, who we are, what we are. The eye uh, determines and, and describes again either the health or lack thereof within our lives. So let's, let's look at it this way. It's just kind of unpack scriptural teaching a little bit. So what we look at is connected to our minds. Our minds is connected to our desires. And then our desires, of course, all these indicate the state or health of our heart. So it's very important, again, the, the eye into the soul and the vision of our lives of what we desire. So this, this verse might pop for us now, Hebrews 12, the NIV translation, this translation I grew up with here in this phrase here, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin, darkness, and so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we run with perseverance? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing, another synonymous, fixing our hearts on Christ, his kingdom, the gospel, who is the pioneer or author and perfecter of our faith. So fixing our eyes on Jesus is a term synonymous with our hearts. Uh, focusing our hearts, setting our hearts on the things of Christ. So we're learning this right now too, church. This is very important right now, okay? This is one of the summary statements. The vision of our lives then determines the health of our lives. You gotta hear that again. The vision of our lives, the pursuit of our lives, the desire of our lives, what we value in our lives, what we, again, have affection for and look at in our lives, our vision determines our health. Our vision determines our strength in the Lord. Our vision determines the health or lack thereof of our hearts. So while that to say that when our eye or vision is healthy, look at the promise in verse 22, then our lives are flooded with light. That's amazing. Eh? He says, then your whole body will be full of light. I love that expression, man. You underline that, circle that, whatever you need to do with that. Our whole body will be full, not just partially, will be full of light. It's, it's very encouraging. What does it mean to be full of light? Well, when we study scripture here, right, one of the first, when you're studying scripture, right, there's lots of new people to our church and people that are new to studying God's word. When you're studying scripture, and, and, and the scripture's like, it's a big book and there's a lot in it, but when you're studying it, the first thing you need to do is what is the context? Okay, context is always king when you're studying scripture, okay? So the overall context, again, of our passage is the kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount is about the kingdom, living in the light of the kingdom. The gospel of Matthew is about the kingdom. Christ is king and he is king over his kingdom. His followers pursue the king in light of his kingdom. Overall context, our, our immediate context are treasures in heaven from last week, verses again, 19 to 21. That's our immediate context. And our immediate context or ensuing context after is, is our desire God or money? You cannot serve both God and money. Is our devotion God or is our devotion money, right? 
So we pull that together here and Jesus is clearly teaching then our vision is healthy when our vision is on the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Our vision is unhealthy when our vision is on the things of the world, specifically earthly treasure, specifically the love of money. The eye is healthy, he says. Now, what does healthy mean? Well, in the Hebrew and the Greek, I think all the commentators agree that healthy means single-mindedness, undivided loyalty. When my eye is healthy on the kingdom, that's what I'm pursuing. That's the path I'm going in. God isn't one compartment among like a hundred others in my life. He is my life. Christ is my life. Christ is, his kingdom is my desire and ultimate focus. When the eye is healthy, the vision is clear. Now, when the eye is unhealthy, when the eye is bad, I'm double-minded. I'm trying to go in all these different directions. It's distorted from the sin of the world. It's clouded. I cannot see clearly. I lose focus. I don't know what I'm living for anymore. I'm so scattered and distracted. That's when the eye is unhealthy. Get to more of that in just a couple of minutes too. So what we're learning here then is the healthy vision is clear vision. Listen, and clear vision is kingdom vision. So the more our sights are set on the kingdom of God, and this is what's so encouraging to me, the more we love the kingdom, the more our lives are full of light. Next week, Lord willing, seek first the kingdom. Sacrifice for the kingdom. Give generously to the kingdom and our lives automatically, as Christ promised, our whole bodies will be full of light. It's a guarantee. The more we have vision of the kingdom, the more our lives filled, flooded with the light of God. It's interesting too, right? You think about it in the Sermon on the Mount itself, Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Speaking to his followers, you are the light of the world. Well, here, if we connect those two verses, Matthew 5, 14, you're the light of the world. And here we see again, when your vision is healthy, your eyes healthy, you are full of light. The context right here though, is specifically treasures, money, and possessions. So, one of the greatest ways that our lives will be filled with light, we are light of the world, is that our value, our vision, is for the kingdom. Now, let's turn that around. One of the reasons you're like here today, you're like, man, I don't have a lot of light for Jesus Christ. I don't feel like I'm shining much of anything. Well, could it be because our true vision is on the world? Our true vision is on money. Our true vision is on possessions and wealth. Is it because we are so distracted by the things of the world, therefore we don't have actual light flooding into our lives? That's what Jesus is saying. This is what, again, and it's so helpful for us because sometimes we're like, what's happening, what's happening? This is what's happening. This is what's happening. We love the world more than we love Christ. So therefore, no wonder we're not seeing the things that we want to see, right? What we treasure or value determines the effectiveness of our light. It's a big deal, right? It's a huge deal with the one life that we've been given to steward for the Lord. So this is a tremendous promise. When my vision is the kingdom, I am full of light. And light's gonna be good, man. Not gonna be easy, it's gonna be good. Really good. Blessing. However, point number two, when my vision is the world, I'm full of darkness. When my vision is the evil and sin of the world and the things of the world and worldliness and earthly possessions, then I'm increasingly full of darkness. Look at verse 23. I'm making this stuff up. It's right here. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Fascinating. So this is sobering. If our vision, our desires, and heart is for the world, then Jesus says your whole body is full of darkness. Notice verse 23. When the eye is bad, when the eye is unhealthy, when our vision is polluted, when our affections are rooted in what is evil, we're in trouble. This makes sense too, right? Because when our vision is clouded by the darkness of the world, then our lives are filled with that darkness. Before we get to the main application, let's get to some obvious applications here for our lives, right? So if we fill our minds with social media garbage, then our lives will be filled with social media garbage. What we look at is connected to our mind, connected to our desires, connected to the fruit of our lives and the state of our heart. Again, it's important for us to be so clear and to be wise. If we spend the majority of our time filling our lives and minds with junk, then let us not be surprised when our lives are filled with junk. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make any sense to anyone. Is that right? Nothing, nothing. If, if we're inputting trash, then we're going to get trash. That's the point, right? If we flood our lives with human self-worship cultural ideology of our day, then we will be filled with human self-worship and cultural ideology. This is what we're gazing upon and our vision is filled with. That won't equal light in our lives for Jesus Christ. Let's get super practical. Okay? If we're flooding our hearts with satanic evil pornography, well, then we're going to be filling men, women. Let's go now. Like, let's not be so stupid. Then we're flooding our hearts, our lives with satanic evil pornography. Well, no wonder there's no affection for Christ. No wonder there's no light coming from your life. How could there be light when there's so much darkness coming in all the time? It's, it's important we're honest with ourselves and just be like, why do I keep acting like I don't understand why things aren't happening when I just look at my life and of course it's not happening because I am filling my life and I with darkness and so my whole body is full of darkness. If my closest friends are essentially anti-Christ, if my most intimate relationships, I am not saying I am not saying don't have friends you don't know Christ. Of course we should, absolutely. If my closest friends, though, are people who are leading me away from Jesus Christ, his kingdom, his heart, his values, his love, and they're constantly pulling me away from this, well, then don't be surprised, then, if my life is increasingly being filled with darkness. Because at that point, my eye is unhealthy. It is bad. And those are obvious, well, there should be some obvious applications. Now, our direct context, though, being very true and faithful to the word, is the love of the world, specifically earthly possessions, money, and treasures. So Jesus is saying, for sure, when our lives are filled with the love of money, then our lives are automatically going to be filled with darkness, right? This is, this, is, this is where it gets important, for sure. So the Bible says, the Bible says that the Pharisees 
religious, righteous leaders. The Pharisees, quote, were lovers of money. And then it says, and they ridiculed Jesus. So notice the connection there, okay? Notice the connection. The Pharisees were lovers of money. It blinded them to the reality and truth and treasure of Jesus. And instead of seeing Jesus as Savior, the love of money was their Savior. So then they hated Jesus. That's a life filled with darkness that is pretending and legalistically trying to pursue something else. It's wickedly deceptive. This is, this is what sin does. Think of the rich young ruler, right? The rich young ruler, Jesus says, go and sell all your possessions because Jesus is calling him out on his love of money and darkness. And he leaves Christ saddened because at the end of that day, he wants the darkness of his love of money more than the light of the world in Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is talking about. The rich young ruler loved his wealth and possessions more than the actual light of the world, the son of God, Jesus Christ. See, if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. The rich young ruler walked away from salvation. He literally walked away from eternal life. He walked away from the treasure, the son of God, because he was pursuing and could not release himself from the darkness of his longing for the things of the world. Tragedy. Tragic. It's interesting, eh, that the, um, the last days are summarized in 1 Timothy 3 by people who are lovers of self and lovers of money. Right? The last days are characterized by societies and people who love self and they're lovers of money filled with deception and darkness. James, in James 5.3, he says this. He's not afraid to throw it down. He says, and this is very reminiscent of our passage last week, your gold and silver have corroded to the wealthy and the rich, he says, and their corrosion will be evidence against you. Listen to this. And will eat your flesh like fire. Wow. Why? You have laid up treasure in the last days. Wow. You have Serve money, not God. You have loved earthly treasure, not heavenly treasure. Money is your master, as opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Evidence against you will eat your flesh like fire. My goodness. So this is very, very serious stuff, right? This is kind of what we're getting at. This is what Jesus is not afraid to say either. This is also the devastation of darkness. If you look at the second half of verse 23, very interesting phrase. He says, if then the light in you is darkness... How great is the darkness? It's kind of confusing to read at first, or what exactly is he meaning by that? He's, Jesus is speaking now to the total deception of worldliness. Meaning, he's speaking to people who have convinced themselves that the devastating darkness in their lives is actually light. And this is our world right now. Right? You have so many people who are so self-deceived that they speak of darkness, biblically speaking, as light. So this is what Romans 1 warns against, that God gives up the people in their sin and their lustful desires a debased mind that they end up calling good evil and evil good. So they are calling what is darkness light and they are calling what is light darkness. 
This is the deception, again, of our current world. And this is, this is what Satan does, right? This is what he did with Adam and Eve in the beginning. He convinces them that God really say, and God's afraid of you becoming like him. And so he convinces and tells them, actually, that darkness is actually light, and the light is actually darkness. He's been doing that again ever since as well. So we need to be very, 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 very careful on these things. The deception of our world and how it creeps into our lives on a daily basis. Sin is so blinding and sin is so deceiving. It's interesting, practically speaking on this, um, Tim Keller on the screen for you, the late Tim Keller, such a wonderful pastor, author. He said this, he says, as a pastor, I've had people come to me and to confess that they've struggled with almost every kind of sin, almost, almost. He says, I cannot recall anyone ever coming to me and saying, I spend too much money on myself. I think my greedy lust for money is harming my family, my soul, and people around me. Then he says, greed hides itself from the victim. The money God's modus operandi includes blindness to your own heart. So this is why today as we go through this, I know it's tough, I know it's tough, but it's very, 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 very important because this is about the heart and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the heart we're most suspicious of right now is our own. Not the person, not here, the person beside, the person around, it's, it's our own. God, search our hearts. Search our hearts. And Jesus builds off this hard truth with point number three when he says this. When I'm a slave to money, I'm full of idolatry. Look at verse 24 now. He says, no one, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So in verse 24, we have two masters. We have God and we have money or wealth. And Jesus' point here, he makes it clear, at the end of the day, we serve one or the other. We prefer one or the other. We defer to one or the other. We are pursuing, we are placing our affection in one or the other. And notice this, right? We have two masters, God and money, or the love of money, God and wealth, possessions. And each master is pulling us in entirely different directions. The God of money is pulling us in self-centered living, self-worship. Come this way, God of money says, and God of the Bible, he is pulling us in the direction of loving other people, of living for others, loving God and loving others. I think what we have to come to terms with here, loved ones, is that when it comes down to verse 24, we often try to serve God and money. I think it's important for us to recognize that so often we seek to do both. But Jesus makes it very clear in the end, in the end, our lives will communicate which master we ultimately prefer. Because verse 24, look at, he says, no one, no one can serve two masters. No one. So neutrality here in that sense is impossible. And we think of master, the language is not 21st century employer. That's not the language. In the Greek here, the language is owner to slave. Who are we owned by is what Jesus is saying. It's either one or the other. So the issue then is control. We're owned by someone, we're controlled by someone. So the question is, does money or treasure control me? Does money or treasure own me? Or does God Almighty control me? Does God Almighty own me? And this is where we need to be so honest, right? We need to be so honest. God knows he sees all things right now. I read this phrase this week. I think it's very helpful. Listen, a castle can only have one king. A castle can only have one king. The castles of our bodies, our lives, our hearts can ultimately only have one king, which is 
ours. So think of this. When we, when we try to serve two masters, what happens? We are, we are split in different directions. We are unhealthy. We are double-minded. We're trying to serve the world and we're trying to serve God. It doesn't work. Uh, James is helpful in James 4. James throws it down again. He says this. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Okay, so therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It's another way of saying, again, verse 24 in Matthew 6, you cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. It's either the world or God, or it's God or the world. Important stuff. I know serious stuff today. I know in some sense hard stuff today as well, but again, very, very important. So we're, we're having a lot of insight in here into the area of idolatry and what, and what potentially enslaves us. I, was, um, I saw this uh, a couple years ago in Matthew 6, 2 from the passage from last week and to this week. I found this to be very, very helpful. Okay, so notice what happens here from verse 21 to verse 24. The love of money, treasures, or possessions, right? If we love it, what happens? It enslaves my affections. It, 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 the love of money enslaves my desires. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. So the love of money, remember this, money by itself is neutral, right? Money by itself is not evil. Money is neutral. It's the worship of money. It's the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evils, it says in 1 Timothy as well, right? This is what Jesus is going after. But if the love of money enslaves my affections, the love of money enslaves my mind, what my eye, when the eye is unhealthy, when the eye is bad, my whole body's full of darkness, the love of money enslaves my mind. The love of money enslaves then my will. Verse 24, it's like two masters. You're either devoted to the one or you serve the other. So notice this all here, love, money, treasures, possessions, affections, mind, and will. This is the biblical explanation for the next one right here, which is the heart. So ultimately, the love of money. Again, isn't this so important, church? Like, just for us, I know, I know that messages like this are tough. And that's why many of you are very still right now, which is, which is good. Right? Because the Holy Spirit's, he's, he's poking the bear, so to speak. But the Holy Spirit's very much stronger than the bear. And he's able to do whatever he wants. But again, like, we're being challenged. But this is, it's so important for us to see what's happening in our lives, biblically speaking. It's this very, very powerful counseling, biblical counseling. Do I want to be enslaved to this? I hope not. But this is what's happening when we are. And we recognize, like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I, I, I've been kind of lulled to sleep here. I need to get out of this. I need to make sure that Christ, of course, is the one that I'm ultimately serving. So this, this, this issue is so massive because this issue enslaves our heart. So this is interesting to look at this too, right? So think, maybe you come in today, you're here, Orangeville, Overflow, in this room right now, and you're like, Robbie, my issue, my issue right now, I'm not sure it's money, my issue is marriage. My issue is my kids. My issue is my friendships. And I'd say, maybe, maybe it is, could be very well be, or maybe it isn't. You say, what do you mean? Well, could it be, that rather than the relational struggles you're having, could your real issue be your love of money and treasure and possessions that has filled your life with idolatry? Could it be that your love for the world has wrecked your intimacy with God? Your worldliness has destroyed your wisdom before God. Your longing for earthly possessions and idol nature is now spilling over into your relationships. Could it be, as many of us may honestly say, there's no power of God in my life because there's no love for God in my life. 
And there's a love for God in my life because I love the world too much. Could it be that simple? For some, yes. That is the answer today. It's not your marriage. It's not your kids. It's not your friendships. It's your heart. The heart that longs for things other than Jesus Christ. So there's no power of God because there's no ultimate love for God. Yeah, we know what to say. Yeah, we know what to put on the show. Yeah, we know how to look in front of certain people. Yeah, we know how to show up at certain events. We know what to do. We put the part, we say the right things. We look good. People think we're more spiritual than we are. But the reality is God's not fooled. You cannot serve God in money. I mean, that's for someone here right now, 100%. In fact, in some sense, it's for every single one of us, myself included. There's a reason Jesus goes after these issues the way that he does, because you cannot serve God and money. You know, think about this too, right? In all these passages and all the scriptures that talk about possessions, money, treasure, and the problem with that, Jesus could have chosen to go after all sorts of false gods. But he goes after the love of money here. Why? It's because Jesus understands the false god of money is more seductive and more deceptive than any other. You know what he knows too? Jesus knows that the issue of lordship is more challenged by the idolatry of money than any other issue in our lives. I think that's a very powerful biblical argument. He knows the thing that's going to challenge his lordship, right? Like who's actually running our lives? He says this issue right, this issue right here. That's why he says you cannot serve God in money. He doesn't say that about any other issue in this way. Because he knows the, the challenge of his lordship over our lives is more defined and proven by this issue. So th- th- this is why we need to take notice in a very special way. And by the way, too... I always like saying this over the years, right? Again, messages like these I'm not afraid of. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty excited about them. And um, they are tough, but they are so, so good. But, but again, right now, if you're sitting here and you're like, Robbie, don't talk to me about my money. And you can't say those things to me like that, whatever. And don't you dare go near whatever. All that does is prove the idol that exists within your heart. If you're mad at me right now, then I pray for you in Jesus' name. Like, it's just like, you're mad at this. You're not mad at me, you're mad at Jesus. It's just, if, if you're angry, that's just, it's proving the fact that this is a problem. Why are you angry? Because I'm poking. I'm poking at your idol. The Holy Spirit's like, hey, we got an issue. And it's poking at you. And you're like, don't touch my idol. Get away from my idol. Your precious, your precious idol. And they say, that's the problem. And so then, what do we do about that now? continue to rationalize, make excuses, and let God be a compartment of a whole bunch of others? Or will we actually admit and confess? Jesus, I got issues. Please help me. And he will. And he will. And he does. Just because we're not fully done with the conviction yet, I want to read an excerpt from Paul Tripp, who's like a master at the heart. And uh, in his book, Redeeming Money, he said this. He said, Perhaps many of us are confused as to which master we are really serving. Maybe we haven't surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ after all. Perhaps we've given lip service to the king of kings, while in our daily lives we do homage to the money king. Perhaps the degree of our drive, discontent, and debt exposes the king we are really serving. I just want to say that line one more time. 
Perhaps the degree of our drive, discontent, and debt exposes the king we are really serving. Perhaps the king we worship on Sunday is not actually the king we've been serving all week. He gets practical. If your week is spent loading up more debt and credit cards, acquiring more stuff than you don't know how you'll pay for, you have worshipped at the feet of king money. If you have to farm out your children to some care provider because you and your spouse have to work to maintain the upper middle class lifestyle that you think you cannot live without, you have worshipped king money. If you work more than you should work to acquire more wealth and power, you are worshipping king money. If your security is found in your big bank account, your nice house, your hot car, you are doing homage to king money. If you have sleepless nights wondering how you're going to pay the monthly minimum due on several credit cards, you have offered your heart to king money. If you get more personal excitement shopping than you do attending your church's worship service, maybe the mall is your temple and perhaps money is really the king you serve. I just want to remind you, I did not say those words. <laughs> Paul Tripp said those words. But, obviously I stand behind those words. What do we do? What do we do today with this passage and with such words? How do we respond? My prayer is twofold in this. That number one, maybe for the first time in a long time, maybe the first time ever, we are given the courage to repent. We were praying as pastors before the service started when the pastors basically prayed, there's no one here that does not need to hear this message and apply it to their hearts in some way. There's not a single soul here that this isn't relevant for, either today or our past or our future. May God give us the courage to repent and may God give us the wisdom to change. So if we take a look at our outline from today, I mean, it's very powerful. When my vision is the kingdom, my love is the kingdom, my life is full of light. I, I, I shine as a light for Christ. When my vision is the world, then it's darkness. Like, and the darkness, in this context, the application, I'm a slave to the love of money, and then my life is full of idolatry. Anyway, I'm hoping you're looking at two and three, like, I don't want it, I don't want it. Like, like, like this ruins my life. This destroys my soul. Light, light is what I need most of anything else, right? But it doesn't end here ultimately. And we're going to end the sermon with this right here. But point number four, and this is really what we say now, is but when my master is truly God, when God is my, the one I serve, then, I, then, then my life is full of devotion. Then my love for God is so real and my affections for God are sincere and my worship for Jesus Christ is paramount in my life. That's the goal. This is what Jesus sees. Jesus is so kind. He's like, I show you your sin, and now I show you my forgiveness. And now I show you my treasure. And now I show you my blessing. Because he's like, child, I want you to want my blessing and treasure more than anything the world could ever give. Listen, listen, if you, if, if you generally, if we generally come in repentance to Jesus Christ today, he forgives he forgives. He, he showers us with grace. Every single person. But you gotta, but you got to come and have the courage to repent with the wisdom to change to see the grace of Jesus Christ flood your life. So I think it's appropriate right now. I think it's appropriate we just 
Let's just bow our heads. Let's just be quiet where we are. Let's take a few moments just to sincerely pray. Holy Spirit, we, we, we prayed as we started this message. Um, speak to me. Teach me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you have. Uh, maybe you, you, you finish this sentence. Father, uh, today I repent of... Jesus Christ, um, forgive me, I, I repent of what? I repent of a worship of the world. I, I, I think it's important when we're confessing our sins to be very specific. Not just forgive my sins, but what exactly? I have loved blank. I have, I, I have been worshiping possessions. I have been filled with uh, the idol of Get specific, and, and, and I think it's powerful. So we repent of the sin and the world taking over, but now, Lord, but now we long to be filled with affection for you. Now, Lord, we pursue your kingdom. God, change our hearts to love Jesus Christ and his treasure, his blessing, his fruitfulness, his perspective, his return, the stewardship of our lives. Uh, Church, know this, okay? The number one antidote to the love of money, the idolatry of possessions, and greed in our lives, the number one thing we can do as the antidote is generosity from our lives. The number one way to fight against greed is to give it away. That is what God is calling us to do instead of hypocrisy or greed and selfishness. Now, generosity and giving. Specifically, Holy Spirit, who can we bless this, maybe even this day or this week? What can we give generously to this week? Forgive us for being so stingy at times and so, so weak in giving, just like barely anything, yet we're filled with treasures of the world all around us. It's, it's just wrong. It's wrong. So I pray and by your grace and, and just, but even now we're not, we're not sad. I pray we're not like, we're not mad. We actually feel freedom. Like we sense, man, this is going to change my life. This is going to break some chains. This is going to smash open my enslavement to the world and let me be free for the things of Christ. Yes, that's the vision. That's the vision. You're sensing, man, there's more light going to flood my soul. I'm going to have light come into my life for the first time in so long. How awesome that will be. Yes, how awesome that will be. That's exactly right. You're on the right path. This is what Jesus wants. He just wants to bless. So it comes down to you you cannot serve God in money. I pray we choose God. I pray we choose Christ. And I pray the song we sing is super helpful to say, Lord, I want my vision. I want my vision to be you. Because when my vision is the kingdom, then I'm full of light. We're going to respond with a song we can stand and sing now. Let's do that in Jesus' name.